0: is back together i love it and uh, congratulations to kevin woodley and david hutchinson for keeping things together I- i'm a little worried about my job right now but uh, that was fantastic the last couple of weeks just listening to you guys and going through uh, the great interviews and all the hockey talk and uh, i had some uh I had some fomo going it wasn't fear of missing out i was missing out I don't know what the technical uh, description of that. Uh, but uh, Kevin and David are with us today as we bring you In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Langley, thehockeyshop.com, our feature interviews. We have two feature interviews, uh, Arturs Silovs and Samuel Arison. Arturs Silovs. Silovs. I, I to, I'm getting my head around that. I watched him play in his debut. I watched him make his first win. I'm pretty excited about him. Sixth Latvian. And we'll get into
1: this with him, what it means to him to be the sixth Latvian goaltender to to make the NHL from Latvia, which is a big deal. But did you know, Darren, there's another milestone with Artur's having his first win in the National Hockey League, significant to In Goal Magazine. What is that? He is the first goalie to make his NHL debut and win an NHL game, having made his professional training camp debut in the NHL. And his Ontario Hockey League debut later on that same fall, wearing in-goal magazine equipment, arrived from Latvia with a set of CCM pads that were so well used, so beaten up, he could feel shots off the face into his shins. They did not have his size because back then with Vancouver, uh, this is about 2019, this would be 2019, so four years ago. Uh, I believe Jacob Markstrom was the only Canucks player wearing CCM and Mark, he had a lot longer legs. Demko was still in Brian's head and switched. They didn't have anything that he could wear. Like they didn't have a CCM pad. We just happened to have a demo set in somewhat matching colors, different shade, but blue and a little bit of green trim. Loaned it to him. He wore it all through training camp and into his first couple of months in, in the Ontario Hockey League. So the smallest of roles in Artur Silov's development to NHL goaltender, played by in goal magazine. And the good news is, none of my bad Juju having worn those pads myself rubbed off into his game because he looks pretty good so far.
0: Those need to go on the In Goal magazine office wall somewhere.
2: The, the office wall of fame.
0: Yes. Has to happen. I know where they are. I know where they are. I'm going to have to track them down. Oh yeah, you still have them. Nice, nice job on that. That's outstanding. What a, what a great story of just paying it forward
1: in the goaltending community. You know us, we always like to help and it never hurts when you help guys at that level because they tend to do things like, I don't know the day after your first NHL win, after a really long practice that had my legs hurting, just walking, just watching, sorry, sitting down for 20 minutes and talking about the experience like he did with us today for this episode of the podcast. So paid it forward to us.
0: I'm excited to, uh, hear from uh, samuel Arrison because we've watched him and we've seen him uh playing in the national hockey league i didn't know a lot about him so this is going to be fascinating uh, for me a very learning experience for me too and
1: uh, appreciate the philadelphia flyers giving me some time with him it was a game day post morning skate not as much time as we would have liked um and i'm telling you as hutch said he listened to the interview and i was kind of he's good yeah, i wish we, i wish we had more time with him so let's consider this a preamble really nice kid Uh, Liked a lot about his game, did some video uh, that we're hoping to go over and share at uh, uh, InGoalMag.com, the InGoal Premium Edition, with some drills that he was working on. Uh, So, you know, let's hope that this is the first of several interviews down the road with Samuel Harrison, because I know the Flyers really like him as well.
0: 23-year-old and a 21-year-old, they feature interviews this week on Ingold Radio, the podcast, the feature interview is brought to you by Sensorena, Sensorena VR. So we've got the trade deadline coming up. Uh, time to focus in a little bit. Uh, we are looking for some diamonds in the rough because the big names this year just aren't there when it comes to trade deadline potential. You, you
1: want, like, you, here's one for you. I'll give you one, a name that yeah. I'm not sure many people have paid much attention to. Jonas Corpusalo. I believe Corpy's on like a really low ticket, like might be $1.3 million right now. Um, His overall numbers on the season don't jump off the page, but don't forget he's coming back off of like, I believe double hip surgery. He at least had one hip done, might've been double hip surgery. Um, So a little bit of a slow start from him from December 9th on his adjusted numbers in the national hockey league. Like he's almost plus 2% and like that's better than Sorokin. Shusterkin, Jake Ottinger, like he has played some really good hockey over the past couple of months, almost like he had to sort of, I don't say relearn, but get comfortable with a body that was actually functioning fully and properly because he'd been fighting through sort of um, the effects of the hip injury. And we know how that affects the groins and your lower body and a lot of your power, you know, for, for a couple of years. And so Um, This is a guy that's always been viewed as having a lot of upside, having a game that should fit the National Hockey League in terms of his lateral mobility, his patience on his edges, and he just hasn't been able to make it translate at a consistent level. But for the last, like I said, December 9th, so we're coming up on over two months here, he's been one of the better goalies in the entire National Hockey League. He's on a friendly ticket. He's an expiring deal, UFA. Like For all the focus on, say, Carl Vijmelka. Uh, with the Arizona Coyotes, and would they move them? I think Yunus Corpusalo would make a lot of sense for. you know not that there's a deep list of teams looking, but uh, for the ones that are, he'd be high on my
0: list. Beat the Dallas Stars in his last outing. Took out the Western Conference leaders in the in the Dallas Stars in, in Salo. So that's that's really interesting. I knew he was on a, on a friendly ticket, but I didn't realize the numbers were that uh, positive. Yeah, they and like I said,
1: I mean adjusted numbers. So Clearside Analytics were accounting for shot quality here. Obviously, a team that's struggling a fair amount. Um, but he's been really, really good. Another guy who's on a bit of a heater over the last couple of months, especially since the calendar flipped to 2023. He's an RFA at the end of the season. Um, and this is a little back padding by myself because when I was asked by the Arizona Coyotes, um, Craig, uh, um, Craig Morgan who covers the team, sort of. If they were looking for a second goalie and they needed one this season off waivers, who would they look at? Uh, my number one target was Connor Ingram. We saw the 47 save shutout, which is a record for your first shutout against the Tampa Bay Lightning. How about going 47 save shutout into the shootout against the Tampa Bay Lightning for your first shutout? And Ingram, since the, the, the calendar flipped, again, another guy whose numbers are off the charts good. Took him a little while to get comfortable in Arizona. Obviously not an easy team, at times to play behind, but the Coyotes are rolling and he's been a big part of it. He's been really good there. RFA, you got to think the Coyotes would like to keep them. Um, but let's be honest, they're kind of selling everything else. So, uh, it, you know, there might be a team interested just, you know, whether it's trade deadline or not, there's just a guy that I think a lot of people have overlooked uh, that is having a really strong second half to the season. And I got one more for you, Darren, and this is not trade deadline, but this is just speaking of guys. We're not paying enough attention to Philip. the. The bus Gustafson, uh, you think the Ottawa Senators regret trading this guy to Minnesota uh, as much as I know Camp Talbot's injured right now, but he's been good for Ottawa. Gustafson's got the second highest adjusted save percentage in the entire National Hockey League. Trails only Linus, Almark. he's ahead of Saro, Sorokin, Vasilevsky, Ottinger, like he is killing it right now um and that's a guy that i think a lot of people overlooked and saw as more of a throw in the other way so that there was a goaltender going back to minnesota uh, he has been small sample under 600 shots still but what a what a
0: season he's having for the minnesota wild he's pushing for the job right now
2: i was just gonna say small sample but unlike Corpusala, where you were saying that's fairly recent he's been doing this through the whole season i mean he's not been flying under the radar
1: well, I don't say I don't know that anybody's putting him in the cat. Like, I don't know. anybody's talking him in the same sentence as all Mark Saro, Sorokin and Vasilevsky. And that's where he is statistically. And that's what I mean by mm-hmm. flying under the radar. Hell, even with his within his own team, he's not like he's the everyday starter.
2: No. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Woody. I just meant the numbers were pretty high all season long. I wasn't saying not flying under the radar. Just statistically,
0: yeah, he's uh, he's he's had a hell of a year. Well, we know what the Minnesota Wild think of Marc-Andre Fleury. They started them last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, over Cam Talbot. So there's an allegiance there. And Philip Gustafson is still taking time right now from from Marc-Andre Fleury. So he's he's won that over uh with his play.
1: Can I give you one more guy? Like especially second half heaters? Yeah. Our boy Jeremy Swayman is killing it. Linus Allmark is still my Vesna guy, but Jeremy's play in the last couple months has been off the charts good. Again, over that period of time, some of the best numbers in the league adjusted, and it's given them a chance to rest, Linus Allmark. And it'll be interesting to see because Allmark's adjusted save percentage remains number one in the National Hockey League. But because he's not playing as much, he's not piling up the goals saved above expected, which is obviously cumulative. So you see Saros in the Vezina debate. Saros has actually passed him on the cumulative numbers. But on a per shot basis, nobody's been better than Linus Allmark. And I think I'll be curious to see where the Vesna voters come out on this. To me, it's still Linus, but you know, sometimes workload counts and goals saved above expected counts. And I'm like, I'm really curious to see. It's almost like Linus could get punished because his playing partner is also playing really well, especially sort of in the last month and a half or so. And if you're the Boston Bruins, what a problem to have. Because not only do you have two good options, but you've got the ability to make sure both of them are fresh heading into the postseason. Nobody's going to be worn out. And it would suck if that costs Linus uh, a Vesna trophy. Um, but if it ends with him more rested and the Bruins winning a Stanley Cup, I think that's a trade-off they'd take.
3: I've
0: got one for you. Can I get in on this yes, game? Yes,
1: yes, you can.
0: All right. Capo uh, Cacanon. The, the, the last five starts, uh, I was just, because he played Vegas and he was outstanding against Vegas. So I did a deeper dive. Uh, he actually had to leave the, his start before that. He got wonked in the head and, uh, and had to leave that game. But his, his last five starts, uh, save percentage, and this isn't adjusted. I'm not fancy enough like, like Woody. But he's 900, 947, 923, 950, and 919. That's pretty good on, on a team that's not known to be really, really tight. Defensively, that's a hell of a so, run. Like his overall numbers on the year
1: are are, are not pretty adjusted as well. No, but that's no, that, that's a hell of a run. And I happen to watch uh chunks of that game against Vegas, Darren, and it was like because somebody said, oh, like somebody basically called him Kak- kako Hashik, like he was that good. And
0: there was moments, and, and that creative, oh, like he was diving yeah, over, yeah, and,
1: like there was there was a lot of brilliant moments within that game, um certainly. And and like I said, it's it's interesting, right, like. Um, as Hutch said, Gustafson's been great all year. Some of these are more smaller samples, but I think it's when you start to see those four or five games become 10 to 15 over a couple of months. And I think in Corpus case, it's because we know what the pedigree is. We've seen him do it before, but also because, you know, the injury, right? Like, so, you know, that this is, it's been going on long enough now since early December and you
2: you can explain the early half it, exactly
1: exactly yeah. and you can also explain some of the inconsistency of the last couple of years I don't know how much I haven't had this conversation with him but my understanding through people close to him is that you know that the hips were a problem and it affects everything and so you know it's it's almost like a reset for him physically and now that he's sort of comfortable and adjusted to a body that works properly man like we're we're seeing a lot of that patience and we've always seen the flexibility and the athleticism but Just his edge work and his ability to hold edges, you know, in a game that is so dynamic east west, to me, that's one of the most important things. And now, good for Jonas Corpusala because, um, you know, I think there were a lot of people that wondered, you know, where they'd even get a contract this year. It goes back to Columbus, not a great team, and he has a season like this. So, good for him.
0: That description of his game and uh, getting his body healthy sounds a lot like uh, the conversation that I had with Laurent Brassois, who's been recalled from the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, with the injury to Logan Thompson uh, in Vegas, and Bereswah said he couldn't do the splits last couple of years. They could couldn't get into that position. There was different spots that he couldn't get his body to navigate uh, because of the the hip injury. And now that he's had the surgery, he's back. He's doing the splits in the middle of uh, of, of practice, like during d- during coach's explanation of a drill. And I'm like, now you're just showing off. Now now you're just like. They giving it to the the rest of us who aren't flexible enough, but uh, very similar story of now he can do things that he could never do before. I couldn't do the splits. Welcome to my
1: world, LB. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about that. Uh, I'm thinking about that T-shirt that the guys used to want to get Hutch when we're up at Net three hundred and sixty for LB Lorraine Brousseau LB. Um, I know this is a this is a PG rated show, so I'll just use the in, the syllables F and U because. Every time there was a drill or an exercise that Adam Francilia, the trainer, wanted them to do and other guys couldn't do it or struggled with it, LB would just hop in and rip it off like it was no big deal the first time, like he'd been doing it his entire life. He's a, he, he, you know, prior to the injury was just an absolute beast physically. And so every, every other goalie was like, F-U-L-B, F-U-L-B. <laughs> and to the point where we wanted to get a t-shirt where everyone had a t-shirt and everybody's t-shirt said F-U-L-B. And then LB's just said, I'm LB.
0: <laughs> he, he's strong as an ox oh, yeah. and, and yeah. just, oh, yeah. he's ripped like a North end bus seat, but the, the flexibility, the flexibility wasn't there uh, in the past. And now he can get into this position. He said, I don't even use the splits when I play. I just like to do it. And, and now I can and do it again. So, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. Hey, um, we almost had a goalie fight the other night.
1: Uh, I th- Hutch, what did I th- you th- think h- h- of h- John Gibson? Hutch, I thought,
0: you, h- h- I thought you weren't going to tell him about our little battle oh yeah I know you guys we,
2: we have to one day
0: you guys meet at center ice I'll be the judge anytime and I'll <laughs> I just would run I'll I would
2: sp- run I would use my speed I'm pretty sure I'd be faster than Woody I'd just get over. Everybody's,
0: no. everybody's faster than Woody but but Peter Copley took the challenge from John Gibson who crossed got center ice back. who crossed center got ice held back yeah,
1: got, yeah I wish the referees had let him go not that I want to see anybody get hurt but they're fun it's fun and and Phoenix, who, by the way, another good story this year. Um, good for him. But, man, he was running hot. I don't, I don't, two things. I don't know that I would have want to be on the other end of him when he's running that hot. And two, what a BS. Um, my, my, pardon me, Hutch. What, what a, I did not like the game misconduct for throwing punches with the blocker. Those were not punches. He's just a little rabbit. Like, pfft. I didn't like that.
0: I like punches with the blocker. Yeah, I don't I get a chance pretty to do standard. It. You're done though.
2: I, pretty standard,
1: you're yeah, done. Yeah. It wasn't, it was more like a it wasn't like a full swing. It was like a little rabbit under a scrum. He couldn't get it off fast enough. That's why you don't wear the blocker strap, I guess.
0: Those those uh punches with the blocker are actually hard to land. Because it's so awkward because the, the, the boards up top. Got to account and, for where the block yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's 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 overrated the, the real danger of it because nobody practices that. Trying to take goalies off the, uh, off the hook on that. But uh, it would have been interesting to see. I loved uh, John coming out at center ice and slapping a stick. Let's go. Phoenix Copley's last fight. Can you name it?
1: Ooh, no. Do, 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 do. Against the guy a lot of people would like to see actually drop the gloves in the National Hockey Binnington? League. Binnington? Binnington and Copley, who played together with the St. Louis Blues, dropped the gloves at center ice in the American Hockey League. Really? They did. And they and like I said, I think I don't know how strong the relationship is, but they played together and were teammates, and it's my understanding that they're like I don't know how close buddies, but they're like they know each other pretty well. There's no animosity there. But heat of the moment in a game, gloves came off. There we go.
0: It wasn't while they were teammates though.
1: No, no, no. It was uh Okay, that would have been a really good story. Yeah, that would have been even better. No, I think it was the year Binner was uh on loan to uh and maybe Copley was in Hershey, so he'd moved on as well from his St. Louis days. They'd both moved on, I think. I don't know if Binner was in I want to say San Antonio. I think it was San Antonio Hershey.
0: I think I think goalies, even if they know the other guy, they're fine to do it because no, you're hoping nobody gets hurt and it's just a spectacle and the boys love it. I, I think that's the way it goes. I, so that I, means you guys can fight. Ding,
1: ding, ding. Touch, yeah.
0: let's
2: go. No, I'd get hurt. Woody would get hurt because all you have to do is just graze him with a blow and it would be like the end of time. So... Maybe I actually would win it. He'd probably just think
0: that Yeah, I know, but you yeah. don't forget,
1: don't forget, Woody Snaptastic.
0: Oh no, yeah, but but true. I'm stealing that's your true. foam roller and I'm hitting you with that. I'm not hitting you with my blocker. I'm hitting you with my foam with your foam roller. And
1: you wouldn't think that getting hit with a foam roller would hurt, but I got the <laughs> vibrating kind with the giant lithium ion battery in it. So that would that would really be tough. Uh, hey, what,
2: Okay,
0: this is going off the rails, boys. What do you think of Freddie Anderson's mask in the Stadium Series? Uh,
1: gorgeous. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check uh, uh, Jordan Borgino, J. Bo Airbrush uh, on. I hope I said your last name right, Jordan. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, we, we posted links to it on our various, we try not to, I know a lot of like, we should probably post more of the images ourselves. We try not to take all the images and post them. We try and link them. So you go check out the actual artists. Of course, Jordan was the guy who did Carrie Price's mechanical skull. He's doing all of Jacob Markstrom's, um, masks with the flames. And there's just been some, some absolute sick ones there. Uh, and you know, not to much like, uh, Artur Silov's. Uh, the in-goal crew played a little role in this. Uh, Freddie was looking for some ideas because he wanted to mix it up and wanted to do something big for the outdoor game. Um, Jordans was one of the names we passed along. They connected. Uh, Dave Freed, I think he's got a mask coming from Dave Freed as well when he's back with Carolina for the regular season. But this thing is, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Alex Hall Montreal Canadiens mask. Oh, from a distance, yeah,
0: that's a good comparison,
1: right? Like from a distance, one of my favorites. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. from a distance, all you're seeing is the logo, like big and bold. That's all you're seeing is the logo. But when you're up close and you see the detail, it's crazy sick. It was an angels and demons theme, but there are hidden messages. This is I didn't know. I I should have known. Like Freddie's that guy. Like he he details and goal. He likes to geek out on goalie stuff, right? Like he's that's why he gets along with us so well. There are actually. Prison Break, if you remember the show Prison Break, where the guy had tattoos all over his bodies that were actually keys and symbols to how to get out of the prison, like he would have the prison map sort of tattooed in different ways. There are hidden messages throughout this mask that only Freddie and the painter know about, little sort of maps and guidelines, kind of like Prison Break style. So tons of detail. I love that idea of from a distance I see you know, a logo or something iconic. I know what it is. But then up close, I could watch this and look at details on this thing for probably hours.
0: Those called Easter eggs. Is that what
1: the kids call them? uh, Easter eggs might be so old that it's not even the kids anymore. That's what the kids, guys like us who think we know what the kids say, say.
0: You could have just went along with it and made me feel cool. No, we're It's definitely Easter eggs. We're old. (laughs) Thanks. I would call it Easter eggs. I'm cheering for you in the battle royal. At center ice, I'm here uh, for you, buddy. Against, uh, against Woody. Uh, we've got the gear segment coming up uh, from the Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. What's going on over there?
1: Uh, lots of things. Make sure you check them out right now. We've done the true PX3 Catalyst. they got lots of that inventory in stock. And now, uh, as Cam's going to tell us about, you've heard about the Warrior G6 with us. We've talked about the Warrior G6. But you couldn't actually get the Warrior G6. Um, they have it in stock. All different levels. Senior, senior pro, intermediate and down to junior and as Cam's going to explain even in the junior model they have that hard plastic slide plate on the knee which will help you go east west zippity doda super fast um just a couple of many items that are starting to arrive at the hockey shop we're sort of gearing up for spring we're gearing up for all the new arrivals from all the brands these are a couple of ones like i guess g6 isn't new but it's new to you being able to get it PX3 is new, got lots of new stuff coming in. Make sure you check them out at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Keep your eyes out as well. Tendy Fest will be back this summer at the hockey shop. Keep an eye on all their social media for details and an announcement on dates. I know them, but I'm not sure I'm supposed to say yet. And when Tendy Fest is going to be this year, it's a can't miss event. And they got some great things lined up for this year out near their new location in Langley, British Columbia.
0: That was awesome. My first Tendy Fest. Right before COVID was amazing. is so much fun. We we got to interact. Gotta with come everybody. back there. Yeah, uh, uh, put me in there. Uh, I'm all over it. Uh, it's the gear segment presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports. Langley, thehockeyshop.com, with the Warrior G6.
1: Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for Sports. We're out here in Cam's crease, Cam's corner. Our little section of goalie utopia. Ah. Off to the side amidst 34,000 square feet of hockey... Awesomeness. Awesomeness. There we go. And speaking of awesomeness, you might be wondering to yourselves, why do you have the Warrior G6 line in front of you? Did you not review this? God, how long ago was that? Eh? I think it might have even been earlier.
3: May have like 2022? Yeah, that sounds about
1: right. Okay. So um, why do we have it? Because they have it. The reality is it's been hard to get. There's a good story there. Not one we're going to tell here, but maybe on the podcast, folks, you can listen in and tune in as to why uh, this exciting line took so long to get here. Um, They had limited stock before. They've now got a lot more stock coming in, including Cam, not just Senior, We've got intermediate, and we have junior. Mm -hmm. So let's just go over, for those who don't remember quickly, the highlights of the G6 line, starting with the slide plate.
3: The slide plate. Uh, Basically, one of the kind of hotly talked about topics uh, well for the gear market release of this previous season, um, and even into this season. So that slide plate basically creating, you know, so much less friction in terms of for your... It's hard
1: plastic on the inside of the pad. Yeah. It slides like a hot dam. You want me to just put it succinctly?
3: Hey, there we go. Your, your Kevin Kevin sponsored moment brought to you by the Warrior G6 slide. So in terms of for your overall... Like it, it literally is hard. It's, it's, exactly. it's hard plastic. And you know what? If it's too much too, it's easily removable. Um, it's just held on by two Velcro straps. So as Kevin's kind of showing there, he can kind of break into that knee stack and be able to actually pull that Velcro strap fully out. So that slide plate featured throughout their lineup all the way down to their junior pad, which I do finally have in stock. So we'll jump around here a little bit and go straight to the junior, because this is one of the pads that I've seen the most upgrades on in terms of their entire lineup. Uh, I mean, each pad is upgraded, don't get me wrong. That said, Um, That slide plate is featured on the junior pad, which, in my opinion, is a great, great, great feature, especially for those kids um, that are learning those mechanics in terms of sliding. need that a little bit of an extra boost to help see what that pad can do or what they can possibly can do in terms of for that slide back and forth. This is a great aid, great teaching tool potentially as well. Um, And again, something exclusive to that
1: Warrior G6 slide. Okay, so the slide plate goes all the way down from senior,
3: intermediate, and into Junior, is an interchangeable amongst the three? Senior, Intermediate, and then it also includes Pro. They're all the same size. Junior is a smaller plate, so the Junior one will be the different of the two. Um, slide plates, again, been very hard to get a hold of. They are available aftermarket. We're hoping that some stock will be arriving soon, but we don't have an ETA date for them yet.
1: We said that about the Warriors G6 line overall for a year. We've got that in stock. Now listen, slide Plate can actually go on other brands. You can actually attach it to other brands. I have had this question from an NHL goaltender. Is it legal? Can I strap this on to my pads in the National Hockey League? They were curious. Um, and the answer is no. It is not legal in the National Hockey League. So, there you go. Asked and answered. What about the rest of the line?
3: Like, like- but For most of you that are watching and are listening, you're not playing in the NHL. So that was completely irrelevant information for you. I just like It was, it was just basically a humble brag that we had the
1: NHLers reaching out to us and asking. We, won't, we won't name drop the actual name, but you know, he's a Vesna candidate.
3: Ke- Kevin just flexing as usual. But that said, yes, it can fit on other pads. In terms of what pads it can fit off, we're still working. You know what? That's one video for another day. A comprehensive list of what ones will fit and what ones won't. That said... Obviously, there's more to the pad than just this G6 slide plate. Um, They've redone the calf and feel-wise across all of their pads. Um, A new place for you to actually strap down uh, your knee strap. Um, They've added the Velcro kind of inside the actual calf and leg uh, plate itself. So just creating a cleaner wrap on the outside of the pad, also to creating a bit more connectivity. So you're creating a bit tighter of a fit, even when you do strap your uh, knee strap down to what we call it, like, like calf position, for example. Um, so a bit of a different feel there. Um, Warrior has also created an ability to customize your pad in terms of how tight you want that... Uh, bottom cap strap to be their main cap strap so there's two slots in there this is specifically on the junior pad as well but it also is featured as you tear up through the lineup um again kind of moving back to the toe of the pad they've lengthened the boot strap a little bit a little bit of a highlight uh, of an area that was a bit uh, on the tight side of things especially in some of their older models d5 d4 uh, for example so a little bit extra length here a little bit easier to do up they've still got their bungee toe system no toe bridge on the junior pad that is something that will be featured on the senior and the intermediate pads so if you want to go og like the original how you do up your pad you still have it on
1: the on the, on the uh, senior and intermediate but the, the junior is pretty much just the warrior system
3: correct and then again for this uh, uh series here with you could go with laces different bungee systems other aftermarket parts that you have seen so definitely a good call out that way as well okay overall profile um super thin thigh rise funny we just
1: did the uh, um true catalyst px3 we're talking about how thinned out that thigh rise is uh, we just put the g6 right next to it and they basically have the same profile the difference is where where true thins out for that upper portion this one is thin from the knee up
3: that's correct and very stiff yes that's definitely worth Holy- oh i mean we're weigh in on this thing like as hard as you can and we're not getting much flex out of it. Now, the boot's quite flexible, which is good because you got to complement that kind of stiff style of pad. But especially for users that have been familiar with Warrior, um, especially G- G5, the- G5 line maybe ha- had, some would argue, a little too much flex at the top of the pad. Correct. Even in some they had an option to kind of stiffen it up too as well. This is even stiffer than that. So once again, if you are looking for that stiff pad, stiff- you're definitely going to find it here in the Warrior for sure. Okay. Stiff
1: and straight on that one. Um what else? Uh the knee stack obviously integrated uh to the to to the like like quite a stiff you're going to get a lot of connection between the face of the pad and the knee stack that that's vision like, that's, that's been there yeah. for for warrior sort of ahead of the curve a little bit with that that knee wedge as well.
3: Correct. And again that's giving you your stability when you're dropping down into the ice and also keeping your pad sealed across the ice as well. So uh long time staple of warrior nothing's changing there for a good reason cuz it didn't need to. Um, Again, a little bit ahead of the curve in that sense.
1: Okay, so this is a a quick refresh on the Warrior G6. If you want to get more information on the blockers and the gloves, the different models, the different options, the different closures, that was all included in our original Warrior G6 review. We'll have a link to that in here. Um, The key today is they have it in stock, and that has been something that was difficult for a long time. Um, Again, make sure you listen to the podcast. We'll
3: explain some of the fun little details behind that. So stay tuned for another video of the gloves and the blockers because they do have their two lines. So we will hit that again uh, once I have everything and once I can describe everything properly because it's hard to talk about something when it's not here. So once that arrives, keep an eye out. We'll talk about it. If you have any questions further, though, you can give me a call, 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790 or visit us at www.thehockeyshop.com. Jeez, at this point, you don't even really need me in these. That's well done, Cam. Oh, that is pretty good.
0: Oh, now I am going to be paying attention to the gear segment every week, specifically dialed in for Tendy Fest news. Uh, the uh, Warrior G6 line—we uh, heard a lot about it. Uh, awesome that people can get their hands on it. Uh, but this this Tendi Fest idea—I'm trying to think of what my most uh, memorable moment was. But I, I think it was just being able to go around and try on all the gloves. Like I'm—I'm I'm like Woody, a glove guy, and being able to just walk around and, and work with all the manufacturers and put on the gloves was amazing. But but all the gear was there.
1: I think my favorite part was just the three of us chatting with Tristan Jari. Yes. Because it's the most relaxed. He was totally relaxed. And, and I honestly haven't been able to get him that relaxed in an NHL rink or media environment since. Like, it was the best I've ever seen. him talking about scoring goals. And so we got we to gotta get, get Jari back out because he was great. It's because you were there, Darren.
0: No, it was, uh, it was ex- ex- exceptional because he actually showed up. And nobody really knew he was even there. Like he was off to the side. He was talking to Hutch. And I'm like, this Jari's right there. That's good. Uh, that, that was really neat. And now look where he is. And I, every time I watch him in uh, Pittsburgh, I think of uh, Tandy Fest. And maybe that'll be the same way with uh, Archer Silovs or uh, Samuel Erson. Uh, we have two feature interviews brought to you by Censorina, Censorina VR, Hutch. It's February.
2: We're on the west coast of Canada. I'm on Vancouver Island, and uh, it is really nice outside. But one of the things that really bothers me about that is I can't have an outdoor rink. So I'm thinking I might just take the Sensorina, go stand in the backyard, put on that beautiful outdoor rink venue, Mm. and just pretend that I'm living the outdoor rink life. Can't stay out there till mom calls me in for dinner, and I can't be out there with all my buddies all night long but I can still get that real outdoor rink experience on Sensarena, And that's one of the cool things about it, guys, is that it lets you do things you couldn't do otherwise. You can get on the ice whenever you want to get on the ice. You can ask for the drills that you want to have, the shooters that you want to have. You can tell them where to shoot. You're in control of your training with Sensarena, and it gives you an opportunity to train whenever you would like to. Like one of the tough things about our sport is that you can't get out there on the ice every little minute you can, especially if you don't have that outdoor rink. Sense Arena gives you that opportunity to take control of your training, to do it at home. It's an advantage you have over every other goalie out there that isn't part of that Sense Arena crew. So I would strongly suggest everybody get out there and give it a try. If you already have the Oculus headset, you can get in there for seven days for free. Great chance to see what you think. They've now got a lower tiered version and then a higher tiered version of the software so that you can get in a little bit more affordably if you're not sure about that full commitment. So check it out today, sensorina.com. If you do decide to, use the code IGM50 and you'll save a little bit more on top of whatever great deal they might have going on right now.
0: That code is IGM50.
2: Yeah, as in in goal mag. You know what
0: else they let you do that nobody else can do?
2: Stop pucks. I actually
0: stopped oh, them. There's
1: that one for me, too, although I don't Feel know. Feel your to stop toes
0: them. after you've been outside for 15 hours. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. How about be Darren Millard? Yes. Because you can face well, that's not hard N- because you can NHL
2: face shooters. Face
1: NHL shooters. Not, I mean, me and Hutch don't get to do that. You do, Darren, but we don't.
2: Darren gets all excited. Hey, I was at practice today. I was at practice today. We can just say, yes. Yeah, so. So, so, were so were was we?
0: I. So was I.
2: Yeah. Oh, you were, you yeah, were a part sweat. of
1: practice. I just watched and and judged <laughs> uh, with a, with, with, a, with a with a sort of side glance as I watched everybody else practice.
0: I am the primary confidence builder of said Vegas Golden Knight forwards and defense. That's a great title. Yeah, that that that's Vegas Golden
2: Knights, primary confidence builder. Yeah. Darren that's Mouart. what
0: I do uh, when they're coming back from injury. I get out there. So we've got a Swede. We've got a Latvian. Uh, we've got the uh, long conversation, longer conversation with Artur Silovs and uh, a little brief catch up with Samuel Arison. I'll give you your choice. Which one you want to go to first, Woody? Let's go with Arison first because it's a
1: shorter first. conversation. Um, one I fully enjoyed. And like you said, Darren uh, and, and Hutch said, like, uh, hopefully we can catch up longer with him. Time just didn't permit here. Um, it's tough, right? Like, it, this is the reality of their time and post-rank. Yeah. It's hard to sort of get the long sit-downs. Um, so I think we're going to start throwing these into the mix, though, because... You know, when it got cut off around five minutes, it's like, what do you do with it? Like, do you run it? It's not enough for a feature interview, but there's a couple of really great little clips in here. And I think it's important yes. we share that. He was, he was really good. I really enjoyed meeting him. and The other one too, like after we wrapped up, Felix Sandstrom is there as well. Another Swedish goalie who's worked with Pekka Allison, uh, been part of the Brinus uh, as I call him, the Swedish goalie mafia. And I hope to get to catch up with him too. We didn't get to on this trip, but you know, a little bit of a back and forth between the three of us after the mics were off. Just hard to get those longer times. So some great guys with some great thoughts on goaltending. Uh, And even if it's an abbreviated version, really happy to bring this to the In Goal Radio audience.
0: Teaming up with Carter Hart in that Philadelphia Flyer crease, an evolving position. And we're starting to get to know these guys, uh, starting with Stanley Arison, one of the two feature interviews this week on In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR.
1: Wanted to ask you a little. What what's been the biggest adjustment this year for you coming over? I mean, there's there's probably a lot of adjustments. What's been the biggest adjustment coming up to this level in your mind?
4: Uh, I mean, uh, I got here last year, but uh, had a pretty rough year. I was injured uh, most of the season, and so this year was uh, really the first one year I uh, I'm actually playing. And I mean, it's 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 different. Like the players a lot quicker, and uh, especially in also, from, the, uh, from, from Sweden, where I played before, to, uh, to North America, it's uh, the faster pace out there. Uh, things happen uh, a lot quicker. And I would say uh, up to this level two, uh, guys are so skilled. They, they can make something out of nothing. Uh, so you always got to be ready.
1: Is it the style of game that's different? You mentioned the skill. Obviously, the rank's smaller. i um, you know, talked to a lot of guys that come on. They just feel like there's more time. Whereas everything's on top of you here, is it? What's what do you think the bigger Justin? the style or the size of the rink or is it a combination?
4: It's a it's a combination. It's also the the size of the rink. Yeah, uh, uh, it forces more mistake out of players because they have uh, smaller uh, areas to work on. So uh, that's things things happen a lot quicker. They can throw in pucks from from anywhere. Whereas uh, when uh, players have the puck on the boards in uh, in the SHL, they it, they're not really a threat. You you could practically stand up uh, straight. So that's something that uh, that is uh, different. And I mean, you you, you got to make adjustment. But at the same time, I feel like I like the style of play. I feel like a lot of goalies do. Uh, it's you get to be more involved. Uh, I feel like you uh, the play is all always uh, closer to you. Whereas since in Sweden you you. There can be games where it feels like you have, <laughs> you have done nothing for, for 60 minutes.
1: In terms of tactics, like I'm guessing technically it doesn't change what you do in terms of entries and exits off the post, but tactics change a little bit in terms of the amount of time. Like, do you have to be, say, like, for example, in a reverse earlier here, because it can come at you so quick, whereas in Sweden, there might be time to sort of pop up and recover defeat. Like, are those the types of changes you have to adjust to as a goal?
4: yeah definitely a little bit uh, but at the same time uh, I feel like i I try to be on my feet as much as as possible uh, I feel like that's that's kind of where I put uh, uh, the foundation in my in my place uh, being a lot on the feet and being able to move on the feet so um, but obviously things after shots uh, shots that go wide and everything like uh, you see here uh, defenseman they, they aim almost outside of the net so they they want to get the bounce in front so that's things you got to be ready for and uh, you got to do what you normally do but at a, at a much quicker pace yeah, they're almost like the like recovery
1: of the post is just automatically a default probably down a little more in those types of instances then you might be back
4: home yeah definitely and also uh, like if you uh, if you want to play on the laces or if you want to play on the uh, on your uh, skate play when you hit the post feel like I before, maybe a uh, years ago, I played more to my skates, but I feel like here where it's the puck is, uh, where it's a net, it. People, the guys are just trying to throw it in there. So you got to be able to uh, try to post that out. And that's why I try to play more to my laces. Nowadays. So many like toe box, like the bottom of the pad. Yeah.
1: There's, there's a great example. There's like, there's different ways to do a reverse. There's different ways to execute post seal, um, going, making that adjustment. I like think it's probably a good lesson here for young goalies, that adjustment from skate blade to toe box. I'm like, how'd you rep that out? How'd you get comfortable
4: with that? Just put in, uh, put in a lot of reps. Uh, I had uh, goalie coaches and uh, goalies I work with back home who were really good at that and who, who made that adjustment themselves. So that's something you just got to put your work into it and uh, you'll get comfortable with, with time.
1: Can you share some of the guys you work with? Like, uh, we hear a lot um, about sort of the upbringing from the Swedish goaltending side, goalie coaches at a young age. Um, we've had the pleasure of having Thomas Magnuson on the show before and talking to him about sort of the plan over there. What's, what was your experience like when you, when you started playing goal? When did you end up with your first goalie coach, and can you walk us through that progression?
4: I had a goalie coach. I, I like when at a young age you you don't really have that in close by. So I went to like a, they had a goalie school every Saturday morning, eight o'clock in the morning. So My dad used to drive me. It was half an hour drive, eight in the morning, every Saturday. So that was, uh, I think, you know, just what parents do for you. But uh, yeah, I went there and it was just uh, a goalie coach who did a lot of skating with big groups of goalies from uh, around the area. And I feel like that's where you kind of, a lot of skating. And then I had, uh, I had the pressure. I worked with Peck uh, Alcén, in Brines, who's probably one of the most uh, best goalie coaches of all time where you look at the goalies he's had come through. He has uh Markstrom, uh Felix, me, Jonas Johansson and uh, Anders Lindbeck and J- Joe and a lot of goalies who, who's come through uh, through that school. So and then after that I had uh I had lots of Juan uh, Honquist, uh who works with uh Markstrom and uh Jonas Johansson so I got to practice with them this summer and uh, uh, just yeah it was great you pick up uh, something from everyone, uh, like no one is going to be able to reshape you completely, but they can uh, all, everyone can give you something and it's up to you to kind of pick up those tools that you want and, and put it in your little toolbox and then keep moving and keep evolving. Anything in particular,
1: Like, can you, without giving anything away, anything like, give me an example, if you can pick one, like say working with Jacobs or something he did that you're like, Hey, I hadn't thought of it that way. I might try this a little differently.
4: I would say, maybe not uh, one of the, I had another goalie coach here, Mickie Andreasson who, who who worked also with Marksham and like the biggest thing for when I worked with him was scaling down my game. I was, uh, which I feel like a lot of goalies are when they're younger, they're uh, you're nice. aggressive, you want to take a lot of ice and you want to, uh, you move around a lot and that was really like scaling down the game and finding the comfort uh, like being a uh, they're comfortable working with your post and also when you work hit the post be able to get clean stops so you don't have over rotation and something that you have to compensate with also you see like a lot of goalies when they're down hit the butterfly into the post and they have over rotation so they have to compensate without the other leg and those
1: back so they get, like they hit it hard enough that they're spinning out almost Exactly.
4: so you have to be able to uh, hit, get clean stops. Yeah. yeah clean stops so there's you can move and be in balance. There's a lot of like your core, being comfortable, and then there can be a quick in and out of your post.
1: Working with Dilly coming over and working with Kim Dillabaugh and being around Carter and Felix. Um, Anything changed in terms of the lessons there, or are you just applying them a little differently over here? Is there anything that jumps out in terms of adjustments you've made under those guys?
4: I mean, I, I think you keep on uh, scaling it down a little bit uh, sometimes and just being... Uh, more patient uh, in a certain situations being patient on my feet but also being patient w- once you're down on the ice so you're not uh, uh, something the other talks about like you're trying to avoid unnecessary pop-ups where you just get up to basically go down again um, so that's something I'm, I'm working on
1: And I uh, know like you said the nature of the quick back like everybody's trying to jam it back you can you break a seal when you don't need to pucks end up in nets over here exactly perfect thank you for your time
4: yeah thank you
0: A little bit of a primer with Samuel Arison, and now we get to introduce everybody to Artur Silovs, who really jumped onto the scene in the last couple of weeks from a major media exposure standpoint, Woody.
1: Yeah, no, at NHL debut, Thatcher Demko out, um, they, they sent Spencer Martin back down to play some games, get his confidence back. And they wanted to give Arturs a couple starts. Thatcher ended up. I actually don't think Arturs was supposed to get the second start. I could be wrong there. I think Thatcher was supposed to come back and back up against the Flyers last night. Um he wasn't able to. So that meant they keep Delia and Arturs. They give Arturs another start, and he gets his first National Hockey League win. I would argue he actually probably popped onto the scene a little more at the World Championship, had a really good showing for Latvia. Um, you know, I think he lost one, nothing to Sweden. They were outshot badly. I uh, had a couple dubs over at the world championship. So just 21 years old, uh, you know, and all this, despite barely playing in the last two years, the Canucks did not find him a place to play two years ago. Uh, last season, they didn't get him down to the East coast hockey league till late in the season. I think he's only played like 20 some odd games over the last two seasons combined. Done a lot of work in practice. He talks about that, all the different voices he's had, Curtis Sanford, Ian Clark, Uh, Marco Terranius now, as well as some of the input he had from Latvia. So we just went, you know, we took 20 minutes and we went through his career, congratulated him on the start. And as I said, first goalie to win a National Hockey League game after wearing Ingole Magazine equipment in a NHL training camp.
0: What I love about this conversation is you following up with what it was like to step into the National Hockey League and how the game was different. What was different about the American Hockey League to the National Hockey League, and he gives a really uh, descriptive answer. Arturs Silovs, the second feature interview on Ingold Radio, the podcast.
1: First NHL start a couple nights later.
5: First NHL win. What What are the emotions after a night like that? Uh, they're great, you know, playing in the strongest league in the world. It's uh, always been a dream. And it's like a uh, really big excitement to play here
1: what was what, were their nerves the first night, like just doing something new for the first time? you played pro for well even before you came overseas, but it's different. Uh, how did you manage that?
5: um I think just like you know practicing a lot, then like I got a couple of opportunities to play in like American Hockey League, East Coast, you know it was like
1: world Championships, yeah. big state
5: yeah, it was like. Everything was, like, building up, building up. And even this season, I play, like, a lot of games in American Hockey League. And now the first game in the NHL, like, wasn't easy, you know. Different style of the game. Skilled guys. But, you know, like, I think it's just the same, like, in any league. You just have to build, build until you're getting, like, comfortable in the league. Walk me through your pregame
1: routine that allows you to treat it the same. Like, guys have different things they do so that even when the situation changes or the league changes, there's just something that gives them a foundation. What's yours? Like, what, how do you get ready for a game? Is there anything you do? I know I've seen the juggling on social media, but is there anything else you do mentally to sort
5: of set yourself in that space? Uh, not really. I'm just, you know, stretching, taking my time, you know. I think it's, like, more about, like, getting early in the ring. So it's, like, all the atmosphere around you is, like, preparing you and just getting into it. Okay, so early in the ring, a couple
1: hours, three hours, or you, you got a routine you do, dynamic warm-up, juggling, anything you can share that, you know, maybe for a young kid out there, young goalies, is maybe going into a, a stage for the first time or something new for the first time, just helps them get ready physically so they know they're prepared for the game.
5: I think uh, stretching probably is a lot, you know. Like, you don't want to get injured. Of course. So it's like, I think that that's the most important thing to do. Like, before the games, before the practices, it's like, You don't want to be out, like, you know, for a long time because it's, like, your life, and you want to build here. You want to build your career, right? The, um,
1: adjustment you mentioned to the NHL, you said the game's different. In what way? Like, how did you have to adjust maybe tactically as a goalie at this level? Is it the speed? Is it the
5: shooters? A little bit of everything? I think it's a little, little bit of everything. Like, you know, they have better looks here. They're, like, seeing the lanes or they can pass and they're like quicker making decisions so it's like you have to be more patient with them patient with your reads like is that yeah being patient in the position being patient with your reads you have to acknowledge that there's like a guy at back door so it's like you know he has like two options or back door how do you get better at reading the game is it just experience like you a big video guy
1: like was there anything you did with Clarky or on your own to sort of prepare for your first time against the New York Rangers the Artemi Panarin's the Mika Zibanejad's of the world I
5: think it's like all around overall you know like videos for sure help a lot you know watching the hockey live like on TV getting like it's always about the reads right and i think it's just like you know you're playing playing like around like a lot of stages so you can see what the players are doing, like similar. It's just like experience. Yeah. So you sort of, you know what to look for. Yeah. 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 When you mentioned watching TV,
1: I'm just curious. Like I know some guys, oh, I remember Thatcher when he was younger, told me he used to keep a notebook. Like when you watch, do you watch a lot of hockey? Do you watch a lot of games in the NHL?
5: Yeah, I do watch. Like I like to watch it, you know. It's like always nice to see what they're going to do, something creative, you know, as a goalies as well, like or the players. Do you watch it
1: just, like, as a fan, or are you trying to look for some of the things, like, like, are you taking notes, so to speak, mentally?
5: I've never been a fan on any team. I'm just, like, more, like, you know, just looking, maybe I can take something from that, you know? Maybe adjust, maybe I like it, try it in your own practice. Is anybody, is that something you've done for, like, you still do it now? You're in the NHL, you still do it? For sure, I think there's a long road to be, i it's, like, it's only the beginning, so have you done that a long time like did you like yeah. actually we can go back a little bit like did you grow up watching nhl or did you grow up watching other goalies back home uh i was watching more khl uh because it was like yeah. Dynamo Riga played yeah. right yeah. so but then after i was like when i was get older like 14 15 i started to watch nhl and then i got more to the nhl than watching khl okay so who'd you like to watch and why uh, from a goalie or a team? Well, give me goalies. Uh, Vasilevsky. That's not a bad choice. Yeah, Lundqvist. Because, uh, I mean, he was, he was a really good goalie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty good pretty good choices, both those guys. So l- let me ask you, then you talked about watching him.
1: Is there something I can take? Is there anything you remember, whether it's Lundqvist or Vasilevsky or any other guy,
5: where you're like, hey, that looks new to me, and you went out on the ice the next day and maybe tried it. Maybe a small thing, but like not a big impact because like every single goal is different, right? Of course. Every single body is different, like everyone has like different strong sides. So you have to be careful what you're picking for. And that's why you're like only trying a little bit. If it works, it works. If not, then not, you know, just sticking to yourself. I remember talking to Cam Talbot he played with Henrik Lundqvist
1: in New York, actually at the time he was with the Rangers. And I asked him about that, like taking something from Henrik Lundqvist. And I think he, he it, paraphrasing, but he basically said n- nobody can play like Henrik Lundqvist.
5: What did you love about watching him? Like the patience? Yeah, like I think he was like really patient, you know. Like even he wasn't like, the biggest guy, right? Like managing to like stop the pox, like doing all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's, it's really impressive, Yeah. You know? Okay, so I want to go back to the roots a little bit here. Six Latvian goalie
1: to ever play in the NHL. What does that mean to you?
5: Um, I actually really didn't kn- knew that, but I think it's great, you know, being like on those numbers, like it's always like great feeling. I, not too many players uh, from Latvia played in the NHL and it's like a big honor, you know, honoring my own country. Are there guys that you've gotten to know along the way? Like, obviously we've, we've got a really good relationship
1: with Elvis, um, gotten to know him over the years at Ingle. Were there guys you looked up to as you were coming up that, you know, from home that you saw making this step that made you think, hey, this this is something I can do too? Uh,
5: I wasn't like really thinking about it. I was just, you know, just working hard, uh, just being patient and like trying to capitalize my opportunities. Did you ever get a chance to skate with those guys in the summer or anything that where you had
1: that contact point with somebody who had made that jump that sort of helped you, you know, sort of
5: maybe learn something from them or take lessons? Uh, yeah, like, we had, like, pre-qualification for Olympics. Uh, uh, there was, like, Giergensen's, a couple, of like, NHL guys, and I was like, you know, like, small samples, but still it's, like, next level, right? So it was, I think, a great experience for me to be in that camp and, like, getting those shots in, you know. We talk a lot about, like,
1: so much is made of, like, like, right now Russian goaltending, right? Like, it's sort of a hot... Um, Swedish goaltending before that, Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, Finnish before that, Mika Kiprasov. I'm basically dating myself here. I'm really old, so I've been around for all those influxes. Um, we hear a lot about the programs that they have you know, for young goalies. What was, what was your experience? How did Artur Silovs become a goalie? And what was like growing up? When did you start playing? When did you get your first coach?
5: Walk me through your development path. Actually, I was a player first. For how long? Like for a couple of years, like three, four years. And then I switched to the goalie, so you know, like everyone was trying to be a goalie because we didn't really have goalies. you know I tried it. it was pretty good for me, so okay, so how old and what do you love about it? I was like, I think like seven, eight years old, I believe, and you'd already been playing player for three, four years. Yeah, yeah. you started early, Yeah, yeah, I was like three years old, and that was good for me because like we didn't really really had a good team, and I was like, uh probably. One of the worst teams. but see Lots of shots. Yeah, so it was like a lot of shots, you know. It was fun. Like, I mean, if you think now, it wouldn't be fun, you know, how many goals you let in back then. But like, for the, like progression, that's like a really good one. When did you get your first goalie coach? Like, when did, you know, like, was
1: there an age where you started to get more structure as opposed to just going out there and like you said, having fun and learning
5: on your own, which has a lot of value too. No, I had a goalie coach. Right away? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So... I like he really thought me a lot of stuff you know like I know there's like simple stuff but it's like what do you really need as a kid like because I think when you're a kid you don't need to overthink too much stuff you know it's like the same thing like uh, learning kids a power play when they're like nine years old why they need that right so because they don't know what kind of player they are so so give me give me an example, a lot of just like skating, basic movement stuff. Yeah, just like you know, just controlling rebounds, maybe like simple movements, you know, just stopping, like T pushes. Because much like a kid
1: on a power play, why do you need to learn reverse BH when you're seven?
5: Yeah, you, you can't actually cover a lot. That's the problem, right? And like that is so, so huge. Like your reverse track won't really help, and you know, like you're too short to even. Touch the post from both sides. be lucky to get those legs into the middle of the net, let alone all the way across. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so as you, as you come up and, and, and play, over, play back home and play in the junior leagues and the MHL, how did your game develop? Like, when did you start sort of
5: getting some of that more technical instruction? I think, like, for me, I got more technical for sure when I came to Vancouver. That's, like, 100%, like, Life with, Life with Clerky yeah. and Sandman and Yeah. yeah, yeah. but because like uh, before that I wasn't that technical, I was like more like athletic goalie, you know? But here they they helped me a lot to be more compact, be like technical, right? So I can use like my athleticism like as a last result result, right? Not not go to a tour. Yeah, not to go not jumping on every single puck. That's an easy thing to say. That can be a hard thing to learn. Walk
1: me through that process a little bit. Like like getting to the point where you rely more on the foundation and less on that sort of emergency stuff.
5: I think it's just because we're doing like every single day. You know, it's already like a habit. And then it's like, you know, you start to see it's like it's working in the games. And then you're like starting to trust that process. And then you understand, you're like trust your foundation. You're like, okay, I have to build it every single day. So... We're playing a lot, so I know in the game I'm comfortable with what I'm doing, and I'm not really thinking what I do.
1: What was the biggest adjustment? Like, there's a lot of things, I and mean, we, we've seen it here, and it's not just you. Like, Colin, for example, comes in. You know, he'd probably never use that sort of shuffle track down, probably never used a reverse track like these are new. What was the biggest one for you to learn?
5: Uh, for me, I think it's like quick shuffles, probably. Mm-hmm. Sort of play coming down the wing and you're using those quick feet. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't really have, like, quick feet. I was, like, more, like, trying to cover everything. So I think just adjusting the speed. Like, I had speed, but I needed to move it in the right direction. Use it differently. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's most important to understand where do you need that and where you don't need that. Multiple
1: stance system I know that Ian likes. So you're sort tall and narrow, which facilitates those shuffles. Was that something,
5: an adjustment for you too, to sort of learn, sort of where on the ice to be in what sort of position? Yeah, for sure. It was, like, a huge helper for me. Like, even, let's say, it's, like, penalty kills. it's like, helps a lot. Like, high stances, like, you can see at least where they're passing. Maybe shot movement, like, because if you're, like, low stance, you can't see anything and you're guessing, you're not going to be a great goalie, right? And, like, you don't want to be, like, okay, hopefully someone blocked it, right? Here, guys can shoot, they can, like, get it in the net. Is there a worse feeling than losing the puck when it's out at the point? Yeah, I think it's the worst thing. Like, if you don't see the puck, I think it's like, you have to find it straight away or at least find a player who's like, showing his shoots. So you have like, sort of understanding you can react on something. So when showing his
3: shoots,
1: you're looking for signs they're shooting, yeah. even if you can't see the puck? Yeah. Like hand position, head, yeah. stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah.
5: Because like, you can't see puck every time because there's like so much traffic, could be someone tried to block a shot, you can't see the release, uh, which is like really hard to react after. So you have to be like really careful about it. Are there any things you look for other than the shot? So say, say you can't
1: see a shot coming, and it hit, I think the worst things, and, and we track them statistically, they're called broken plays, they hit a body in front. Like if it hits you, at least you, you felt it, and you know where it's going. When it hits somebody else, and you don't know where it's going, How do you find it? Do you look for cute clues? Like, are you looking to see where the players are looking? Like, how do you find, is there any tips you can give young goalies that are in the same spot? Man, I lost the puck. How do I
5: find it? I think it's just about the tracking. Most important thing, like, just uh, to see, like, if you, even there's the rebound, you just have to find the puck first. Like, if you're not finding it first, they're going to find it first and put it in an app.
1: So it's just about finding that puck. I just wanted. to... Sometimes you can find cues by where they're looking. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see them going to a spot. Does that help? But I don't really trust that. It's not what you're doing. Yeah. Um, any tips for looking over traffic? Uh, any sort of guidelines that you have for looking around, looking over, finding pucks through those bodies? You're six foot four, so you get to look over. But do you pick a side on a shoulder? Do you try and make sure you're not square behind them? Any advice for kids there? I think I
5: prefer looking more short side because like usually uh, far side is blocked usually by the traffic and the bodies but you never know you know there's like a lot of stuff you have to be careful and like i think every single one has like different approach to the traffic someone is like looking between the legs between the armpits right a lot of guys who are like much taller taller they're looking just over everyone they can see it and they play like that it's like just different play style Okay, so I got to ask you, we got into the adjustments to Clarkie
1: and coming over here to Vancouver. You did spend some time in the OHL. Billy Smith, what'd you learn from him? Did you know who Billy Smith was? Did you know the legend of Billy Smith before you went there?
5: No, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> did you figure it out while you were there? Yeah. Did you, how'd you figure that one out? Uh, like, I, I just Googled it. Like, okay, and what comes up? Yeah. <laughs> the goalie for New York Islanders. <laughs> the battling
1: Billy Smith. Yeah. Uh, any lessons you took from him, like, like I mean, jokes aside about his, you know, his career as probably the toughest goal, one of the toughest goalies that ever played. But what were some of the lessons you took away from from your time with him? There's a guy with multiple Stanley Cups that spent a lot of time in the NHL, played a different style. But was there anything you could still take away from that?
5: I think we were more working with the like stick, you know, stick control. We didn't, like really do much like... Uh that
1: deep technical yeah, stuff, yeah.
5: It's, it's not, like more about stick, stick,
1: so stick on puck, yeah, steering control, steering. Yeah, 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 where else you can put that stick to maybe get somebody out of the way, yeah. <laughs> um, your work over here with uh Sandman, Curtis Sanford, last couple here for, uh, for your tours. Um, what was your experience like with, with Curtis last year in the American Hockey League? Were some of the things you remember the most about getting that chance to work with him? Um, I know you weren't there the whole time, and I know that's part of one of the challenges probably the last two years, you didn't get to play a whole bunch, but. Sometimes that
5: means a lot of practice time. How'd you how'd your game develop under Curtis? Uh, I think we worked a lot of like traffic management, uh, tracking, like all the small things. Like basically all the technique I needed to build to play pro, I was doing that. Getting organized. Yeah, yeah. Like all the small like, if they're like small things, but like in overall they're like huge. Like game difference,
1: right? Is there anything one that jumps out? Like there's so many technical details that. I see goalies here develop and add to their game. Is there anyone that for you becomes, like if I ask you what's your foundation, what would you say? Foundation? Kind of two different questions, I guess, maybe, because some are, some are smaller pieces and
5: some is like... I think probably just uh, stance adjustment. That's a big one, eh? Yeah, it's like, I think it helps a lot, at least for me. like Because, you know, when you can be like more like mobile, where you have to be like more like reactive. So it just depends on the situation. Um,
1: Marco this year. I'm another new voice. It's never easy for a goalie. New voices. Marco Terenius, different guy. Uh, some time in the KHL for him too. He comes over this year. What was that relationship like? Was there anything different about that approach for you?
5: I think uh, he helps, helped me a lot with uh, getting more like compact, you know, being like... Define compact for me. Just not opening holes? Yeah, not being too spread around being like holding my ground stronger like patience patience yeah like even on the tips being like more square so i think it's like big improvement for me
1: when you say tips and
5: being more square
1: give me give me an example of what you mean by that. like not sliding and moving too much in them just sort of shifting yeah just shifting yeah sometimes that's easy to say hard to do how do you how do you get to be a shifter and not moving too much lots of work i'm guessing yeah it's a lot of work any drills you can share with us? Um, I'm drilling you big time on the goalie stuff here, but we're geeking out on goalie stuff.
5: Uh, I think just, like, uh, tips from the blue line, you know. It's just, like, tips overall, like, any kind of tips is going to help. What's your rule of thumb? Are
1: you trying to get as close to that guy tipping it as possible without chasing? Close to the tip
5: point without sliding? What's the... Uh, there's, like, a lot of stuff. Sometimes I just try to react because I trust my reaction time. So... Mostly I try to react because like if I can do less movement and like just react and like and that's gonna help me you know just uh not overcommit and be like okay I stopped the uh, park and like I can do the next move. Last one E-Flex 6 what do you like?
1: Like the, this brand new set you said one practice and into a game.
5: Uh, they're pretty good I think bounce a lot that's nice for me. And otherwise, I think it's pretty good. Thank
3: you, Arturs. Thank you.
0: It's the best part. Not the best part, but it's one of the great parts of Ingold Radio, the podcast, is being introduced to these athletes. And now you can follow them along. And Jeremy Swayman is a great example. I didn't know of Jeremy Swayman that well. All of a sudden, he pops on the podcast, and now he and I are best friends. We do the the goalie hug, the Lainers Allmark hug whenever we see each other. It's beautiful, uh, and uh, I've got a great friend thanks to the introduction by Woody and and Hutch. So we'll follow along with uh, C Loves and Arison, and and then also keep track of uh, old friends Yaroslav Halak. How about Halak season?
1: Yeah, up until last night, he lost in overtime yeah, against, uh, against uh, was it Edmonton or was it Calgary? I got confused. Calgary, he lost in overtime against Calgary. Yeah. Seven in a row to that point, and that means I wanted him to get that OT win last night. He is within seven of the Magic 300 marker, and that means a lot to him. We know that for everyone who's listened to the Ingle Radio podcast. Um, he's playing really well. I mean, it's ironic. Vancouver is still paying him for his bonuses overage last year uh, against their cap. And people here in Vancouver were like, oh, he struggled here. I'm like, no, the team kind of sucks for goalies, man. And now he's in New York and he's killing it. His adjusted numbers are right there with Igor Shesterkin, obviously playing less games. He's playing really well. And he was a really good guest for our Pro Reads. Uh, if you're an In Goal Magazine premium member, you can check it out online now. Uh, our Pro Reads, the first of many with Jaroslav Palak. And a really interesting take on the way he uses paddle down on a cross-ice situation to actually get better rotation with his shoulders and prop up his upper body. We always think a paddle down is purely about taking away the five hole. Yarrow uses it as a leverage point to get his shoulders up and his chest up. And to sort of by bringing the stick around, it creates rotation into that, that chance across the ice. Just something I'd never thought about in terms of a philosophy or mindset. And he breaks it down really well with the video on this pro read. So if you're If you're a member, go check it out at ingolmag.com. If you're not a member, what the hell are you waiting for? It's a great video breakdown with Yaroslav Balak. We have a new one every week. We also have a pro drills with Magnus Helberg and Billy Huso uh, and Alex Westland of the Detroit Red Wings on the ice with them. Um, Some drills. We always talk about patience. How do you build patience? Well, one way to build patience is with a couple of the drills that Magnus Helberg walks us through and explains, including a 60% rule. In terms of watching the puck and not reacting until it's 60% of the way there, something he says he learned while he was with the New York Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist.
0: I'm trying to think of 60%
1: there and then trying to move. I go 60% before the shot's released.
0: Yes. I'm 60 seconds.
2: I stop 60% of the
1: shots.
0: That's high high for me. I'm making my decision on save selection when they get across the other team's blue line. <laughs> to try and be in the right spot. Oh, that's so, amazing. Oh, percent. Oh,
1: you didn't mean 60% of the way up the ice? <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Speak,
2: speak, speaking of that one, Darren, when, when my kid uh, was about six years old, we came, we didn't live where we do now. We came to this town for a tournament. And I, I could still remember it because it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Whenever um Maddie's team carried the puck across center ice, the opposing goaltender would very deliberately look, get down on hands and knees across the goal line, and then lay down the body from post to post. Nice. And just watch this player come in. Because I know at age four, you're not getting it over me. Yeah. That's and pretty so smart. And so we moved to the town. Ta- it is. And then we moved to the town. And I, I asked around. I said, who was the kid? Who was the kid? I got to meet him. They're like, I don't know. We had a lot of kids who did that. So there might, maybe, maybe, you know, they're always talking. We shouldn't be teaching these kids NHL techniques. We got to teach them what their body's good for. Maybe there's some crazy goalie coach around here is teaching four and five year olds. That's the way you got to play the game at your well, age. Well, Hey
1: there to speaking of that, Arturs Seelops. Well, well, you know, how about that lesson talking about the simple stuff and like, you, you know, you wouldn't teach a seven-year-old how to run a power yeah, play. Why track. are you, what you can't teach a seven-year-old to do reverse track. It's just skating and and moving and shuffling and all that type of stuff. So I thought that was really
0: interesting from Arturs reverse track for a seven-year-old he's like they can't get their feet constant the no
2: hey we, we can't forget the fun in the game too though right yeah. because you, i guarantee there's seven-year-olds out there on their skateboards trying to figure out the moves of the greatest pros and maybe they're not ready for it, but they still want to try it. So if you're coaching, let's not be too dogmatic here. Let's let the kids have a little fun and explore too. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Hutch, I will do that. Don't ruin all the fun. I, I,
2: Don't ruin all the fun. I, I
1: Woody. have fun. I try and get into a reverse track too. And usually it's kind of like you I just can't, can't get hit. out. I'm fallen and I can't get up.
0: Uh, just an acknowledgement uh, because I had a chance to talk to him this past week uh, on the Chirp podcast, Derek Lalong. I didn't realize was a goaltender until I started doing some research into his, his background. Uh, is he the only former goaltender that's an current NHL head coach? Obviously Patty Waugh before, um, Jeff Blaschel.
1: Yeah. Was Jared, Jared Bednar wasn't a goalie for some reason. I thought he had links to goaltending somewhere in his background, but you're right. Like, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a lot. I mean, ex goalies make the best broadcasters. We know that a hundred percent, but, Beyond that, um, it's, a, it's a fair point. Uh, there aren't many. And it's certainly a smart move for 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 Derek Lallon because if you're just
0: going to be a goalie coach,
1: chances are you're going to be the lowest paid guy on the staff. You might as well be a head coach.
0: He doesn't even get involved in anything, the goaltending side of it. Nothing. He says he's so far removed from it, doesn't understand what uh, Westland everybody is doing. Uh, so it's, uh, it's pretty cool, though to be able to talk to him about the gold tanning side of it. Uh, that's, uh, that's outstanding. Hey Hutch, good to be back with you, buddy.
2: Good to have you here. I'm I'm not going to lie. I had fun doing my best, not very good imitation of your job, but
0: it was a lot of fun sitting in that chair for a little while. Thanks for letting me keep it warm. I uh, I love it. I listened and uh, I was very appreciative and, uh, and somebody else could, uh, could urge Woody along.
2: One more question. I just question. need to do about... Hundred and twenty thousand more of these and i'll have your experience and be as good as you
0: how about woody during the dressing room interviews today was it the sea loves where, where you're like I-, I know we gotta go I know, I know like you're acknowledging everybody in the dressing room i know we gotta Dude, go
1: i looked up and like i looked over <laughs> at the pr director because i looked up <laughs> and at first i looked up and i'm like oh crap i'm the only media guy left in the room and i noticed that the volume had gone up significantly around me i don't know hutch if there's a lot of work
2: oh i can tell in the edit yeah as you're
1: editing that file there might have been some non-pg language amongst the chirps that were flying around the room they will not be heard
2: they will not i was like i was thinking
1: to myself like it got really loud and i'm like and there's a lot of chirps going back and forth. And I'm like, oh, I look up. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm the only media guy. And half of them don't even either. They feel comfortable enough that I'm there or they don't even see I'm there because they're in full, you know, horse around mode. And I look over at the PR director and I'm like, just yeah, I'm done. I'm, I realize what I've done here. And, uh, and still ask one more, though. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, he I really yeah. I really had three more because the next two were going to be. <laughs> can we talk about the equipment I loaned you? Because we've talked yeah. about it before. Just so we get that officially on the record. And the other one was in his first NHL win last night, he broke a stick trying to handle a puck. He went to push the puck, like make a a pass, and the stick broke down. I don't know if it broke at the shaft paddle intersection or in the paddle, but he recognized it right away, sort of got the puck out of the way. I do not remember if he kicked or whatever, but he immediately discarded the stick to the corner and didn't have a stick. Now, the play went down the other end, Luke Shen comes off the bench with his stick and one for Arturs, brings the stick to Arturs, turns around to get back in the play. The Canucks score while he's doing it. Luke Shen gets a plus on his record. He was plus, plus five last night. One of the pluses was him bringing a stick to Arturs. Haven't seen that very often. Like a guy actually come off the bench with a stick for the goalie, bring it to him, and then go to join the rush. Secondly, I meant to ask Arturs, did you realize? you can play with a broken stick and you're the only one on yes. the ice that's allowed to. So that I'm going to have to ask him next time. I, clearly he wasn't familiar with the rule or the way it broke meant it was useless to him anyways. But yeah, either way, uh, I thought that was an interesting moment. Nothing like adding a few extra nerves to your first NHL win by having to do it for moments without a stick.
0: I didn't know a player could bring the goalie a stick
1: they can the good I thought the, that
0: was illegal the
1: players are allowed they have to they don't have to put down theirs they're the only ones
0: that are allowed but to they carry can't two. play the puck while they've got two sticks that's in it. their hand that's it
2: they also can't stop like if they pick up a stick from the bench for example and bring it out to the player if they then see oh play's coming my way drop the goalie stick and engage they can't do that either they have to go all the way and finish the delivery. Wow. And it, I Got I knew, that from a
0: referee recently.
1: That it worked out quite nicely for Luke Chen. Like I said, basically got a plus on his plus minus for handing Artur Sylobs the stick while the Canucks were at the other end scoring.
0: Good. I love it. Uh, Luke's a good guy. Uh, thanks, Hutch. Thanks, Woody. And thank you for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast.